Welcome to the Think Like Amazon podcast, the show where I sit down with former Amazon executives to discuss Amazon's unique principles and processes and tease out how you can apply them to grow and manage your business. I'm Tyler Wallace, a seven-year former Amazonian, current brand consultant, and your host as we learn to think like Amazon. Welcome to the Think Like Amazon podcast. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Stefan Haney to the show. Stefan spent 15 years at Amazon, where he led multiple product, data, and engineering teams, resulting in the development of many Amazon algorithms and processes. Stefan held a number of roles during his Amazon career, including Director of Seller Experience, Director of Seller Strategy, and Director of Consumer Shopping Experience. Since late 2019, Stefan has led the team at Vantage International, which delivers business and technology assessments, software and analytical capabilities, and training to global organizations. Stefan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tyler. Good to be here. Well, I'm sure I didn't do justice with that introduction. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and the work you've done at Amazon? You bet. Great to be here. And and it's a privilege to have all that be part of my story. I think you did more than justice. But I'm amazed that you look back at your time at Amazon. I was like, wow, how did we squeeze all that stuff in? Some of it is just hold on to the life raft and ride the ride because it was a, a fantastic wave. Back in 2003, uh, I had was moving to Ch- from Chicago with my wife. We uh, moved to Seattle with one kid and a kid on the way. And they're like, "Yeah, we'll take a ride. We'll take a flyer on this Amazon thing. We'll see how it goes. You know, if not, you know, Starbucks and Microsoft are right down the street. And go back to Accenture and do some work there. But we, uh, you know, it seemed to work out, so we we're good. But 2003, don't forget, like that was Amazon pre Kindle, pre AWS, pre FBA. Uh, marketplace was was barely a glimmer. So, you know, it was a it was a different way to think about it. I thought I was going to a supply chain. I just wanted to go there because it was like the New York Yankees of supply chain, right? Just how do they do all this fantastic supply chain processes? Then it was hold on the life raft because first thing I did was worked in our inventory purchasing uh, to scale automated automated systems, right? If we're going to go from four product categories to 40 product categories in multiple countries, you either have to hire a lot of people or you build software that automates processes. Uh, and that was a lot of fun and uh, things to learn. Uh, then I jumped in 2009 and, and joined the merchant technologies team, which morphed into marketplace. And so at the time it was you know, roughly 9 billion in, in revenue and about 25% of Amazon overall back in 2009. And, and a mere eight years later or so, it's a 150 billion plus and 55% of Amazon's revenue. And they've grown from something like 80, 90 employees, kind of team members in the marketplace team into a couple thousand. So you had to hire a lot of people, (laughs) a lot of interviewing. And so just being part of that business growth was pretty fantastic. Then uh, the last thing I did while I was at Amazon was after having, you know, being in operations, growing operations and software and automation, and, and then moving to marketplace and thinking a lot about data science and being part of a growing organization had to keep revisiting its vision and strategy. I managed to have the opportunity offered to me to run the Amazon detail page. So what a privilege that is, you know, as well as a little daunting to be the steward of a page where the it's the magic money button of the internet. It's your job. Wake up every day and have fun inventing new ways for, for people to shop. So, you know, it was a good run. And then, uh, you know, I wanted to get back to the learning velocity. So the opportunity to work with startups, the opportunity to work with new technology, and, and to be able to do so in my own time frame, because my wife and I now have seven kids, which is 
a lot of fun and I like them and I like spending time with them. So post Amazon world, I do all the things you said, but uh, I'm a big fan of, of Bill Carr's working backwards book. And a lot of what I do is my company Vantage is helping other companies find either a new way to work uh, because they want to copy parts of the Amazon style. They'd like to be like Amazon or just help them innovate. Uh, what's their own story that we can invent a, a new line of business or a new program together uh, and helping them just kind of go through an innovation process and mental models are a big deal, but, but writing, writing ends up being a lot of what we talk about. It's such a great primer for what I'd like to dive into with you here, Stefan. You've been very deliberate in your time since Amazon, helping not just your own work, but helping others apply some of the practices and mechanisms from Amazon. So I'm sure we could fill plenty of time with, but I would like to talk a little bit more about the writing process. A lot of folks that come to Amazon, I think that stands out as one of the more peculiar components to Amazon's culture is you sit down and a lot of times at the beginning of that meeting is just silent reading. And so Amazon has, as you know, this writing culture using six page narratives, not using PowerPoint for business reviews and important decisions. Can you tell us a little bit more about what your experience was with six page business reviews at Amazon? It is unusual uh, in the more time I spend outside of Amazon with clients or and, and I look at them like they're weird. I'm like, you're about to make a multi-million dollar decision and you're doing that with seven PowerPoint slides. Like, really? And, and it feels weird to me. Because that's that's part of it. If you're if you're sitting down to make a decision and you want that decision to be durable, you want everybody to be bought in, you want it to be explained. If you're a company that has people with different languages as their native language, or maybe introverts, or you're it's COVID, you're a distributed company. So they're not gonna get the presentation or they're not gonna have actually even been in the meeting. A document is a really efficient way to outline thinking. And to clarify your thinking and make sure everybody's on board and we can all look each other in the eye and go, what do we agree on? What do we disagree on? Can we make a decision? So when I've been going to clients now, you know, they're like, oh, we want to have a writing culture like Amazon. Or uh, I'm like, ah, really? You know, and, or I talk to them and say, how are your decisions being made? What's the quality of your decision making? And, and they'll tell me, well, you know, because sometimes it's the other end of the spectrum. We do a quarterly business review. It takes three days. I'm like, it takes three days? What are you doing? Well, we go through a 200-tab Excel deck. And I'm like, is that efficient? Does your CEO like that? Uh, do you ever find yourself answering questions that probably aren't critical to whether your business is going to grow this quarter or not? Oh, yeah. You know, you get that, that kind of shrug inside. I'm like, well, why don't you take a smaller set of people and do the thinking before you come to that meeting? So it goes both ways. Sometimes people are overworking. Sometimes people are underworking on the quality of their decisions and then expressing it. Just write it down. And I have some fun stories which I'll share in this podcast about my experience becoming a writer at Amazon. But, you know, the first part is I think it's you'll hear the quote, writing is expressed thinking. And it's a way to test an idea. It's a way to see, do you understand their business? But my experience, yeah, you come into a meeting at Amazon. If it doesn't have a document, it's probably an unusual meeting. That's for one. So you sit down and it's quiet. And that first time you're in a room with, say, 200 people, and many of them are very senior, vice presidents and senior vice presidents, and it's quiet. And there's this element to preserve it. You know, I had one person, one vice president came in and they had potato chips and they were eating lunch and everybody's listening to every crunch of that chip. But you start to think about, is this a good way to make decisions? And, and is this decision worth some investment? 
And so I had that quote, you're about to make a $50 million decision. How many pages do you think it's worth to write down pieces about it? My experience was also that um, writing is a journey. And it's a good way also to see the maturity of the individual or the maturity of the product or the maturity of the organization. And so newer teams would have very limited documents. And that's fine because they're still figuring it out. They're still not even sure what the document structure should be or how it should work. So it's not a formula. I think that's one thing as I go to clients, I'm like, teach us the Amazon way. Uh, it's like, you know, I can't, I can't do that for you. It's not a formula because I don't know the decisions about your business. Uh, and we'll get into it in a minute, but as I teach people to write, or as I taught the Amazon writing class, it was like, well, can we have the template? No, because every decision has a little bit different structure. And so the document might look a little different. I can tell you that 90% of the content that will likely be in a document at Amazon, but it might be organized a little differently. It, you know, it's like everybody's personal soup. A lot there, Stefan. I want to go a little bit deeper into a couple of things you mentioned. First of all, writing can mean a lot of things, especially for someone that's not been exposed to Amazon. And I think that there are a few things in your description. You said that it helps to distill thinking, helps to express thinking, and that it's a journey. I want to talk a little bit more about those. Maybe this is something that you covered in that writing Amazon shop that you taught, but what should a good business document include and how should a writer approach a document to get the most out of it? Well, a couple things, you're going to have a meeting, so you need a document. Great. The goal here, though, is not to make a beautiful document. Like, oh, look at how wonderful my document is. Look how great this was. The document is a tool to have a good meeting because the goal of your meeting is to either likely make a decision or gain alignment with the stakeholders in the room. Alignment could be, here's a briefing, here's our business, our plan is going to, unless you say otherwise, we're going to do X, Y, Z, and here's why we chose it. So often a good document will then start with like, hey, executives are probably shifting context like a Ferrari in Monaco. They are like jumping from this to that. So in your document, just be clear up front. Why are we meeting and reading this document? And then I usually try to get people to think of something. And I don't know if this is uniquely Amazon or not, but give an introclusion. Give them a teaser for them to read the rest of the doc, especially if they're an executive and they're going meeting, meeting, meeting. Well, I read 57 pages of business documents today, so feel free to write enjoyably. But starting with that, just that one paragraph, if you're writing about a business proposal, just give the basic situation. By 2022, if the current trend continues of number of new aggregators per month, there will be 147 brand aggregators out there, right? That's the situation. And then create a complication. We don't believe that rate because there's only so many brands to buy or the current number of brands that say 10,000, you know, all of them have to be bought 15 times over. So what's the implication? A good author can take that three, four different ways. So a different way of saying is we did a proposal for seller for full prime and we knew the attitude of the audience we we're presenting to because that particular senior vice president said at one point over my dead body, will the prime badge ever be on a seller delivered package? So we knew it was probably resistant to our proposal, right? So we thought about that uh, when we made it. And so our introclusion was the rate of new products eligible for Prime is X. The rate of seller shipped products is Y. We've identified a set of sellers that are able to deliver as well or better than Amazon. And if we could provide this function and this function, if we invested in a little bit of last mile integration technology, a little bit of tracking technology, 
we could add XX million new products to Prime. That's the introclusion. A great paper will have an introclusion, and that's right up front. And then we'll often have very specific. So one of my general comments when I read a paper is, can you make this more precise and specific? Tie the dots together. Do the math for your reader. A lot of things just to make it easier on your reader. So don't make them draw their own conclusions. And this comes out a lot of ways. Sometimes people will put a small numeric table on every page of an Amazon document. Well, circle, if you have a table, you probably have 40 to 100 data points in that table. Circle the three that you'd like the reader to look at. Don't let them come to their own conclusions. Because again, we're trying to get to an efficient decision with our reader. The document's there to serve that. And then, you know, there's some other fun things when you're thinking about who you're writing for, why do they care? And then you get precise on dates. So can you draw the X to Y and dates? And does your paper have integrity? Why do we need more products into Seller Fulfilled Prime? Why would that be good for the business? Why would that be good for the customer? If you introduce a solution, did you lead the reader to that solution? And did you do some analysis that clarified it? If you connect the dots, do the math for the reader, take work away through reader, make it more specific. And then I would often say as well, what's your ask? You know, if you're a salesperson, did you want to take this home with you today? Uh, that's an ask for the sale. Sometimes it's, it really is unclear. Why do you want to meet with this individual? Because especially when you're meeting with people senior than you, you can ask of them, like ask for investment or ask for alignment, but have an ask. So those are some of the common content and, and content modifications that I would ask people writing documents. The audience analysis that resonates as being so critical for an effective document. You know, one stereotype maybe of folks at Amazon is that they're walking spreadsheets. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about your point of view on the right balance between presenting data versus having some of that prose in guiding the reader in, have you seen bad examples of leaning too far one direction or the other? You know, at one point early in my writing career at Amazon, and I think Amazon was just getting started in writing. So Amazon was probably less mature. I had written this thing and I had overwritten it. Like I had over needed the dough. And, and I had a very patient senior vice president. He's like, I know you know this topic inside and out, but it's not clear to me the way you're writing it. It's kind of like talking with a three-year-old. They're saying a lot of words. They're kind of speaking English, but you don't quite know what they want. And he's like, can you summarize it for me? I'm like, well, simply, it's this, this, this. He's like, write that down. Just be straightforward. So you don't want to write conversationally. It is writing. But feel free to use you know, action words like drive, deliver. Sometimes when I was talking about page latency, I used a lot of baseball metaphors because a baseball fastball, a 100 mile an hour fastball is about 360 milliseconds from the mound to the plate. It's one of the hardest things to react to in your brain processes. Well, that's a really easy way for people then to understand how fast does a web page load or how fast does a browser page load on Amazon. If you're trying to save 10 milliseconds, that's really fast. Most people actually can't brain process you know, faster than 30 milliseconds. You have to be a great athlete. Or trying to process workflows, I would say, hey, you're asking a user to input, did you count them? Uh, 1,462 inputs across the spreadsheet to confirm a purchase order. That takes about this long. If we could improve that time by a quarter, we could save five lifetimes. Let's go save lives. Do we really want to spend our life putting stuff into these cells or send up these lives? So that's an example of you still want to be precise. A different way of looking at it is it's a good way to see if your document's necessary. So Tyler, do you know the definition of an adverb? 
word that describes a verb. Okay, that's the first half. So we homeschool our kids for a long time. I've taught writing with my kids. There's the second half of the adverb definition. A lot of people know the first half. But the second half is it answers the question of how much to what condition and those kind of questions. And at Amazon, I don't want to see that something improves significantly. So anytime I see an adverb in a doc, I'm like, do you not know? Uh, Do you not need to know? Let's just avoid adverbs because what I really want to know is to what condition. Did results improve significantly? Well, what's the X to Y? And what you find is if the doc reads really numbers-like because you've put in numbers for all the adverbs, maybe you didn't need half those numbers. Like, let's get to the load-bearing walls of your hypothesis and your assertion and your thinking. Business docs, because they are thinking and their bets based and requests for investment are going to be based on numbers. But what you find is if you have too many numbers, you probably have someone who wrote the doc that may not know which the critical ones are. So as we grew the marketplace business, we were really focused on three core inputs at the very beginning. And and there are lots of numbers we could look at, but there were three that we expected everything to ladder into. Stefan, I want to talk a little bit more about for somebody like me that comes from a more traditional business background where most of the folks I worked with at Amazon were in different business functions, vendor managers, category leaders, legal, finance, etc. In contrast, you led a lot of technology teams as well as a biz tech leader and you, and you had developers, you had data scientists, etc. How have you seen a good document pull different functions together and help drive decisions when you're not just speaking to business people, you're speaking to operations and data scientists and technologists, etc.? You know, the process of writing a doc would be often I would start out with, I'm going to write that introclusion and share it with whoever is the sponsor or, you know, maybe my boss and say, do I have the problem right? Is this what we're trying to answer? And then we try to look at what is the data we would need to gather to answer that question well? Is it available? How fast do we need it? Can we answer the question well enough with 70% of the data we'd like to have? And how would we organize the document? And we might change the order of the paragraphs, the order of the assertions, depending on whom we're presenting to. You know, operations and customer care and customer support care about slightly different things than maybe category leaders or technology. So that's one part of your question. But then two, you know, at the end of the day, Amazon's a customer focused place. So this document, while we're driving the business, it should be related to the Amazon flywheel. It should be related to whoever is reading the doc. It should have an element of Amazon customers. So, you know, we write as teams at Amazon, but there's usually a lead editor or a lead voice. I had gone through the problem. We're, we're on like draft three, maybe draft 10. And this vice president system, you know, like, who's the author of this document? And I'm like, you know, it's me. And he's like, I think we need to change the voice. I think we need a new author. (laughs) But it was a good lesson because sometimes it's skill. And sometimes it is just like, hey, you bring a different chef in, they, they look at things a different way. So your question to tie it back to your original question of like, how do you do this? Any delivery at Amazon is, is one part business value, one part, how is it going to work? What is the actual connections? Could tell a story about the and on cord and the ability for customer service to pull the buy button. You know, that's a very business oriented piece, very customer service, right? We had to write a doc where category leaders are thinking about, well, if we enable customer service person that may be really efficient at doing their job, really good with customers, but they don't have perspective and context of the whole business, that could be a real big risk. If they pull down the Harry Potter ASIN, right? That's dollars per minute. This is way, way back in the day when we launched this. So, um, and so there's a technology question, but also a business question. And so every one of these papers will be viewed from different angles. So I would look at a paper 
And if it doesn't make the main content, like maybe we're saying we should invest and launch a seller fulfilled prime. Well, how is that technology going to work? Right. And Amazon leaders are expected to go from a, hey, we can review a PL to how's an API going to work to how is this actually going to be implemented with project management with the team? And what is it doing for customers? But sometimes most Amazon docs will have, and at least all the ones that I architect, will have one to two pages of FAQs in the back. So you may have four pages, but then you'll often have two pages of appendix for FAQs and two pages for two to four pages for kind of big charts of, of business numbers in case somebody wants to double click and go deep. Those FAQ questions are a way to pull in different focuses. How's this going to work? You know, what's the latency need to be? What are you inspired by technology-wise? So the tech leader may see, oh, they did their homework. It didn't flow in the middle of it. Or sometimes it may be the, the document folks on how it works and they put the technology pieces in there. But what are the business implications or what phasing are we going to release this in? How much is going to cost? That may go on those FAQ. So every author, if they want to have a good meeting to get to a good decision, they will have probably thought about that. And often there's no reason you can't call people ahead of time and go, we're writing the document to answer this question. Is there any key considerations you'd like us to do? But this was reinforced by leadership. So Sebastian Gunningham, the most interesting man alive, was fantastic in these reviews in two ways with documents that he really helped people write better documents. One is he'd read a document like that about a process and he'd sit back and go, okay, so I'm trying to understand how this is going to work for a seller. Or how is this going to work for an internal user? They come into work, they turn on the laptop, they get a cup of coffee, they sit down and do what? And after you've done enough reviews with Sebastian, you've heard him ask that question, you anticipate it. But it made people think not only about what is the macro, if we do this thing, it's going to get hundreds of customers and it's going to make millions of dollars. But they had to think about the micro. How is this going to work an individual? Did we cover the exception cases? Do we have examples? And that macro, micro, a good document will have that. A good document will have both the data and the anecdote. That's one way I would say that speaking across different business units would come into play. That's one way it was tested. You send your draft document to three or four smart people and say, does this make sense? Do you understand it? And you get their feedback. And that would help you fill out those frequently asked questions. And then you made sure you thought about macro, micro. And then at least, again, working for Sebastian for some time, when there was customer quotes, Amazon would embed customer quotes in the document. Those weren't made up. Uh, pity the fool who just made them up. You're expected to probably call some sellers because, of course, you knew some sellers and uh, say, hey, we're thinking about something like this. How would you react to something like that? What do you think that would do for your business? And now you have a customer quote. You've obviously changed the roles that you have to speak to a bit now that you've left Amazon and you're working with other clients outside of Amazon. So I want to pivot a little bit, Stefan, to talk about what you have taken from this stock writing culture at Amazon and found the most applicable in your work outside. The first part is understanding decision making, because I think when people focus on writing documents, well, that's what Amazon does. And they're smart people and that's their whole company culture. It's a little daunting for a lot of companies or for individuals because they might go, well, I like the Amazon writing thing, but my boss won't understand and they really like PowerPoint or our investors like PowerPoint. So like parenting, I believe more is caught than taught. And so I try to model it. And like anything you're doing new, laws of teaching start from something that's known and take them to, to something that's unknown and take a, a tractable bite. So in practice, what that looks like is I will 
often summarize business issues in emails or in very short documents and send it to my client. Or I might sometimes take their PowerPoint of their monthly business results and translate it into a document and send it to them, sometimes with things filled in and sometimes with what I would say, this is what I would normally expect to see from people who work for me in a monthly business review. I only let myself use your PowerPoint, see how many holes there are. And so how do you want to do that? So helping them envision, that's one. And modeling for them is, is what I've seen. The second is then for people who, who aren't ready to jump to a full document, because that's a big jump. And that was even a big jump at Amazon, right? I'd get product managers who'd finished a Ivy League MBA who were like, wow, I haven't written like this in, in years, right? You keep sending back to me for rework. You know, smart individuals, but they weren't used to either the Amazon language style or structure. Or I had software engineers who were like, you want me to write? I'm like, can I just code? I'm like, no, I really do want you to write. So I would start with typically a one paragraph. Let's work on answering a frequently asked question. I want you to contribute to a section of this doc because you are the expert on X, Y, Z. So it's kind of like in sports, you got to do your push-ups, your stretching, your conditioning. The ability to write a well-formed question and answer on one hand is hard. It's like if I had more time, I'd write a shorter letter. On the other hand, it's really good practice exercises to build up some muscles of writing. And most readers read with a question in mind. So you're planting the question and answering the question you gave them, as opposed to guessing what question they have. I'll often start with, let's not even worry about writing documents or narratives. And then the third thing is helping them understand basics of these things. So I'll take them through like, hey, do you really understand what happened or what in an issue in a business, your monthly results, do you really understand it? If you were asked, give more detail. Do you struggle? Do you repeat the same explanation? Or are you able to go to root cause? Can you share magnitude or impact? Let's move you up to that. If you understand your business, you should be able to do that. And then let's now move you up to insight. If you look at your customers and you have 500 customers, they're not all paying you an equal amount. So which of the customers are really driving your business? Well, that might be an insight. And that will help you add value, fix problems. But that's still only level three. Now let's talk about running your business. And so can you say, hey, we had this idea. We did this action. We saw these results. As a result, we learned and we're going to do. And so you can take things from really being spot and transactional and point actions to being how do we scale and run processes and share insights across our company to get more impact? How can we move business insights and business decisions from lifting one thing at a time into levers and leverage? So getting to good bites is a, a way that I start. And I've been finding more tractable with clients. They're, they can grab it easier. Those are great ABCs for somebody looking to get started. Do you have an example, Stefan, of a team outside Amazon that you've been able to help adopt a doc writing process? I do. I have I have two examples. Um, you know, there's one I've been working with an e-commerce marketplace in Romania, and they were spending a lot of time in their quarter business reviews with and very expensive meetings. And so we spent some time with them, did some doc writing training, and we've reduced the the time they spend in their quarter business reviews from a week to a day as a group. And they, they spend a few days, each of them bringing a three-page summary. And the spreadsheets have moved to the background. First of all, they get time back and everybody feels better. They spend more time on the business critical decisions instead of going through details and trying to figure it out and guess. And they've modified it. It's their writing culture. So they've done a good job modifying it versus like trying on Amazon's clothes. 
And then, you know, we've also done some work with some of the software companies and a brand aggregator startup that I'm working with where we're describing and working Amazon-esque or just really writing culture on what are the core elements? What are these FAQs? We're just applying it with these FAQs uh, with both the ex-Amazon people, but also some of the new people. And it's been very efficient because we often find we may disagree on the question and we were thinking different things. So it's really helped with alignment. And that's been true of a third client as well. They stopped using PowerPoint for two weeks and forced every meeting to have a document of any version. But what they found was there's a lot of assumptions that people were assuming different things about what they thought they had previously agreed on when they were just talking about it. Great examples. Proving alignment, saving time. I think most businesses and managers can appreciate both of those benefits. For listeners that might want to experiment adopting writing or a doc process instead of traditional PowerPoint, is there a low-hanging fruit opportunity that you would point somebody to if they were thinking about trying a doc review process for the first time? Absolutely. I often say start with something you think you know really well. It could be a product That could be your business results. Uh, That could be something in your company that you think you know really well. And then try to write three to five questions and answers. Write those FAQs and either up or down or to appear in a different group. And try to focus those FAQs on who are your most critical customers. And see if you can put that into a concise maybe five to seven sentence paragraph. What are the drivers of the business model in your business? Which of your business drivers improved in the last month? You think you know your business, so you should know the content of it, and you can really focus on the writing and the question. And it's testable either with your team. So you write an answer like that. You can share it with your team and go, this is how I've been thinking about it. What am I missing? And you'll get great feedback right away. But you can do that pretty fast. And you'll find that those little bites can then start to go into your emails, can start to go into, you can even slip them into PowerPoint, uh, make PowerPoint look like docs. And you can slip them into very well-structured answers. Uh, to test yourself. And you might find there's some insights you learn about things you think are are well. So I often do workshops and we'll, we'll say like, let's sit down and write some FAQs. People are like, I don't know what questions to ask. I'm like, well, here's 10 common questions uh, that we could start with. I'm sitting here and I've thought all along that I knew a lot about Amazon writing and writing principles from reading and writing hundreds of different documents. And, and here I am learning a lot. So it, it shows that you've been the instructor in some of those writing courses and you've had a lot of experience in this area. Great to see that you're able to now apply that and you've already been able to help other companies outside of Amazon improve their operations through the process. As we wrap up, where can listeners follow you, Stefan, or get in touch with what you're doing if they want to explore this a little bit further and adopt some things for their own company? Uh, best way is connect with me on LinkedIn, Stefan Haney. Uh, I also, my company's website is vantageleader.com, which has a connect and contact form with me as well. So I'm pretty accessible and love to talk with people at opportunities to improve their decision making uh, personally or with their organization through writing. Great. Thanks again for joining us on the show, Stefan. Have a great afternoon, Tyler.